You talking to me? We're headed back to sorcery school and back to high school. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we've got two big new releases as the holiday countdown continues at the movie theaters, and a big one that a lot of people have been waiting for because it takes us back to the Harry Potter world, I guess you'd say, mm-hmm. and that is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. You've known for 24 hours that an unregistered wizard set magical beasts loose in New York. Yes. Mr. Scrander, do you know anything about the wizarding community in America? We don't let things loose. Hey, Mr. English guy, I think your egg is hatching. Something is stalking our city. Wreaking destruction and then disappearing without a trace. Witches live among us. We've lived in the shadows for too long. Time is running out. The tale takes place decades before uh, Harry right. Potter. Right, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I didn't realize that. It's a prequel. It is. It is. It's set in 1929, and it's not in London. It's in New York. Uh, Newt Scamander, who uh, studies and protects Fantastic Beasts. Uh, has come to New York basically to free one, to release one back to the wild. He wants to take it to Arizona. And through some mishaps and misunderstandings, a bunch of these beasties escape from his from his case. His magical briefcase. And that's, you know, but that's really uh, just kind of a tiny part, honestly, of the plot. It's the, it's the part of the plot that keeps things moving. But the real plot, which I found very interesting because... Uh, in a series of films and books about witchcraft, it's interesting to me that this is the first one that really looks very closely at persecuting someone or something because you are afraid of it. And mm-hmm. that is everywhere in this movie. Sure. And this is the first one. It's another uh, book by J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, she also wrote the screenplay and for this one. it's the first. It's yeah. the first one where she adapted her own work. Yeah, it was directed by David Yates, who directed a few of the Harry Potters. The last four. Most specifically, and and... For my money, the best one, which was the final one. Mm-hmm. So, so good. So you could say, on one hand, you could say, okay, he's, he's shown that he has a great handle for this. But on the other hand, and I think this became a little bit more of the point that I was thinking as the movie went on, maybe a fresh approach, maybe maybe a different director. I know that's kind of nitpicking because you say, okay, this guy did so well, keep with him, and I and I understand that, but... Maybe, I don't know, maybe one of the things that held it back for me uh, from reaching those types of heights was, I don't know, maybe a fresh approach would have, um, you know, would have helped it. I don't know, maybe not. But that's one of the things that uh, that came to mind. But, um, yeah, you're right about the xenophobia. Mm. Um, there's metaphors galore here mm-hmm. uh, because they have to, the sorcerers have to keep their wizardry from public, Knowledge and nomads. They're nomads, called in the states. not muggles. Not muggles. They're nomads. Here That's in the right. States, they're nomads. And so they have a thing, a la X Men, not mm-hmm. X Men, uh, Men Men in Black. Yeah. Uh, when somebody sees or hears too much and knows too much, they have to erase their memory and get it back to so that that they stay out of sight. Uh, and there is this one baker, this uh, this one guy who uh, crosses paths with uh, Newt and becomes involved in the story and he's he is a nomad and he gets to come along on the uh, adventure which is makes for a little bit of comedy 
Dan Fogelman. He's very funny. Yeah. You know, and and he he he's very likable, and he does a nice job. I think of I mean of representing non magical folk. Oh yeah. Um, one of the things I like about this movie, and and you know, Harry Potter fans will probably want to shoot me for saying this. I I love Harry Potter. The boy loves Harry Potter. We're very big. And fans by the boy, here. you mean our son. I do. <laughs> but um, uh, I I welcomed the lack. Of adolescent angst, uh-huh. I'm not. I did not miss Hermione, or you know what? She's not the only one. Uh, oh I, no, was, not at all. You know, Ron and, and Weasley. For those of you who are not familiar with this story, you know, all of the principal characters are are, are adults. Yeah. Um. Although uh, Eddie Redmayne, who plays the lead, who plays Newt, very much kind of a kind of a man child, you know. But but they're not, you know, they're not dealing also with growing up and things like that. And I thought that kind of freed it up a little bit. But at the same time, I felt like. The, the film didn't, it sort of lacked an anchor. And, it, and it's interesting, at, at times I felt like it was it was kind of throwing too much at one time at, at, and rushing things. Mm. And at other times I felt like, let's go, let's go. Yeah, you know? for me, for a long time, I thought the all the different magical beasts mm-hmm. were charming. Oh, that's very, and, and J.K. Rowling has shown time and again, she's got an incredible imagination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But... I, I was bored for at least the first two-thirds of the movie. I'm like, okay, we're just going to keep seeing some of these beasts, okay, and they do these funny things and, and get into get Newt into crazy situations that he has to get out of with a little bit of magic and the wand and everything like that. But, yeah, I was it started to bog down. It picked up in the in the final third, I think, but, but still, I, I think for a lot of the movie, it just wasn't, for me, as as magical as maybe it, it could have been, or or it wants to be. You know, I think I agree with you. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the the beasts. They were yeah, and and much of the film looked spectacular. Yeah, it does. And I do think yeah. that the the farther along Yates has gotten in the series, the more he's really mastered effects and and just you know sort of visual grandeur. But um, well, that actually, last Harry Potter yeah, episode alone, oh my lord, it really was looks but, so great. But a lot of times, I felt like honestly, the the beasts themselves were just a distraction from the actual plot of the film, and and so there's one particular sequence with kind of this big rhino sort of looking thing where I thought, well, this has just gone on for too long because maybe it just for comedy effect, very yeah. little to do with the plot of the film. You know, so he he protects these beasts that actually the witch and wizard community seeks to destroy. They're afraid of them, so they want to get rid of them completely. And simultaneously, of course, uh, the witches are hiding from the nomadges because they fear the same thing. And then also there's a, a sect, the New Salem, with Samantha Morton in a really outstanding, subdued, menacing performance mm-hmm. as the lead of these witch persecutors. And they, those group, that group of people, looked down upon called freaks by sort of the New York elite. So there's a lot of that. I mean, the, thematically... That's very interesting to me, and I think that Yates does a nice job of, of mirroring it, like of of sort of amplifying these themes with certain visuals that remind you of maybe just for a flash of sort of Holocaust persecution or mm-hmm. other things like that, which I thought you know it, it it the film isn't preachy at all, and it's not weighed down by sort of these you know these big dark themes and tones or anything. It's very whimsical and light. So, but I, I appreciated that she grounded it in something. But the metaphors relevant. are clearly there. Yes, they really are. Uh, and and there is in the Samantha Morton, uh, the New Salem part. There are some young people that are yeah. involved in that plot. They're not a huge part of it. One of them is, but he's older. Yeah. But there are some of the younger orphans, I guess you'd call mm-hmm. them, that come into play. But but yeah, it's um, 
again, I, th- I thought it, it did. It looked fantastic, but I think the way you described it didn't have an anchor maybe is a, yeah. good, a good way to describe it. And also, I have to say, as good as he is, and I know, but the way Eddie Redmayne realized his character just bugged me. Well, I, that it was a very kind of he had so many ticks about the character. They they just really got on my nerves. That's uh, and and he he describes himself in the film as as he I annoy people. He said yeah, but you know and it's funny. So he's in this film and and Ezra Miller is uh, is also in the film and and then there's kind of a surprise act at the end that I won't spoil. But no. it's just a series of actors who have tremendous talent. But they that need- maybe might want to choose one role yeah. where they just play a regular dude. Right. Like, just leave all the quirk behind for one movie. <laughs> yeah. So Just uh, play, like, a guy. <laughs> a guy. <laughs> okay. Can you be more specific? No, you're right. Uh, Ezra Miller is, is extremely talented. Yes. Uh, if you haven't seen... We need to talk about Kevin. Number one, it's devastating. So brace yourself. Brace yourself, but he's fantastic in it. And Tilda Swinton, oh my lord, one of the best performances in many, many years. Uh, but honestly, God, and I've said this before, it is the best performance I have ever seen. But I think one of the reasons, and we were just talking about this the other day amongst ourselves, I think one of the reasons it, it got ignored at awards time a few years ago because the movie was just so devastating. Yeah, absolutely. It will just punishing knock you to your knee, but but it's worth seeing if you are up for that. Anyway, yes, he's very talented. So is Eddie Redmayne, but I think you're right. Let's, you've shown you can do this kind of role, so maybe it's time. But I mean, on the other hand, this film calls for this kind of role, this kind of performance, and obviously those are yeah. great choices and if the, you need quirky. And the one thing about the Harry Potter movies, they always fill those characters with fantastic actors. They really do. Um, and so I think they obviously wanted to do the same thing here. Um, so... All in all, I don't think it blew either one of us away. It's totally it's fine. It's, it's enjoyable. Very enjoyable. Yeah, but um, not not great. No, I wouldn't say. But no. uh, and that's fantastic piece, and where to find them. And uh, on a smaller scale, but uh, maybe for the teenage set, uh, we've got the back to high school teen. You want some teen angst? <laughs> a little bit of it here. It's called the Edge of Seventeen. There are two types of people in the world. The people who naturally excel at life. Golden boys. What's up? And the people who hope all those people die in a big explosion. Look at that stupid shirt my brother's wearing. When I was 13, it was clear which side of the equation I was on. I never need you having a problem today, Nadine? Several. I don't really have any friends at the moment. Life's about taking risks. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. This is the first writing and directing effort, feature, for uh, Kelly Freeman Craig. And she's done some, I think, some shorts and some TV work, but this is her first feature. And it sends Haley Steinfeld uh, back to high school. She's on the edge of 17, as the title would say, and she's got all the, the normal problems. She's self-absorbed. She panics at her latest bout of social suicide, and everything is so dramatic, as high school is. Mm-hmm. And so it certainly reminds you that, you know what? High school is a time you only want to do once. <laughs> uh, and it, and if it, even then. <laughs> and it does that. And she's, you know, the movie certainly has its teenage crutches. Number one, it's narrated. She does the voiceover narration. She's convinced she's an old soul. There's a forced quirkiness about her character, Nadine. Uh, she considers herself a social outcast. She has on, only one real friend uh, named Krista. And uh, things go wrong when 
because uh, another problem, another piece of drama in Nadine's life is she resents the golden boy. Life is so easy. Success comes at every turn. Older brother, Darian. And uh, one night she catches her best friend, Krista, and her older brother, Darian, doing a little canoodling. And uh, that doesn't sit well. So she basically gives her best friend an ultimatum, him or me, and that doesn't go too well. So more drama is brought on. And she she likes to pop in and and pour her heart out to her history teacher, Mr. Bruner, who's played, downplayed to really humorous effect by Woody Harrelson. Who's always great. If you can get Woody Harrelson in your movie, you should do it. You should do it. And this is one of the things that it does right, because to get around these crutches, she's able to, uh, Kelly Freeman Craig, the filmmaker, is able to add some, what I thought was some nice, refreshing frankness mm-hmm. to the movie and also a a reliance on a strong, layered lead character. A great lead performance by Haley Steinfeld. Very I good. thought she was terrific. Ag- ag- agreed. And undercutting this drama mm-hmm. with episodes like Mr. Bruner, mm-hmm. just hearing hearing her just say the latest thing that is just the end of the world and, and then just really telling her that she should watch her run on sentences. Right, right, right. <laughs> He's very funny. And, and yeah, it w- it's a great device to just puncture that, that mm-hmm. you know, teenage melodrama without being hateful. You know, it didn't, you know, it, 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 he was still sort of sympathetic to her, but yeah. you, just, you just draw your attention. Do you have any idea how self-absorbed you are at <laughs> exactly. all? Exactly. You know? And, of course, she seems you know, views him as an old fogey, and then she gets a little bit of a glimpse into his home life, and that's a nice little wake-up. You know, they don't overdo it, uh, her getting to see behind, oh, this is, he's he's a real person. That's the thing. He has a family. It's an interesting, it's an interesting scene because while she's a sympathetic character, she is, she's also, you know, like... She's not likable. No, and like a lot of sort of typical teenagers, she seems to be completely unaware of the fact that other humans exist right. outside of herself. So this is it's a great scene because she was just like, oh, like you are a whole completely functioning person with a life yeah. outside that of my world. Me. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. But, you know, I think that, you know, it's a, it's a it's an insightful film in that way and that, you know, it, it, it exposes without celebrating this is just, and they can't help it, teenagers. We right. were like this, I'm of sure. Course. You can't help it. There is so much going on in your own development that you can't stop and think, wait, right. what is that person thinking and you're, doing and feeling right now? Your worldview is so limited mm-hmm. because you've only lived 17 mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. or whatever. That's right. And that's the other thing I think it does. Uh, it does well. It uses the strained relationship between Nadine and her best friend mm-hmm. as a little bit of a study in moving on, you know, leaving, starting to leave childhood things behind, making new friends, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're going to expand your horizons, so to speak. And uh, the other little, another crutch it has, a teenage crush, she's got, uh, Nadine has a crush on a bad boy. Mm-hmm. And so she ignores the good boy mm-hmm. who is waiting and clearly interested in her to go chase the good, the bad boy. Of course, you know how that's going to turn out. So it has these crutches, but the character, Nadine's journey to the edge of maturity, let's say, mm-hmm. it just feels a little more real than a lot of these movies. It does. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, the film relies on, it relies on a very cliched teenage dramedy structure. And and it really doesn't veer from that at all in in 
you know, the just the just the, the just the structure of the film. I mean, it's there's there are no surprises in terms of the plot. Right. But the way it's delivered is is what you're saying is refreshingly uh, frank and candid and insightful and funny. Yeah. It's very well written, given that the plot is pretty predictable and the performances are great. There are good performances and there's just a, a better reliance on character and the relationships of those characters, right. I think, than a lot of these teen movies. So all in all, pretty pretty enjoyable, and that is The Edge of 17. Really the two major releases yeah. in the theater this week, but we have a big one uh, streaming on video and out on DVD this week. That's right. Probably the one of the very biggest films of the year, Finding Dory, is yes. finally available so your kids can cheer. People waited and wanted for so long, the sequel to Finding Nemo, and they finally got it. And you know what? It wasn't as good as Finding Nemo, but it was darn good. It was good, and it looked good. And you know, she's just she's just a really fun, sweet character. She is, and you know, and all those characters are great. And uh, yeah, it's an enjoyable movie, and it, it looks good. It looks good. I mean, Pixar rarely has a big misfire, no. and they certainly don't do it here. No, and and I think the I think you'll agree. It's so often in a Pixar film, it's the little side characters, and boy, in this one, those otters or something on the rock. Oh, the otters were they hilarious. They were so funny. Yeah, yeah, but but like you said, Dory and herself is a great character because she started as a side character mm -hmm. and that stole the show, Absolutely. you know, in the first time yeah, around. And so it's a nice, fun adventure. It looks great. It's well written. So yeah, big thumbs up for Finding Dory, and that's the big video release. Probably, I, I assume, we'll get a lot of viewings over the holiday. You've got kids so. coming to the right, house, right, just right. put that in, uh -huh. and the adults will like it too. Now, a big week, as, as we've been saying, every week now headed to the, the holidays is going to be a big week, and we've got a lot coming next week. Yeah, we do four, actually, four big movies. Again, a great one for the kids, another one not so great for the kids. <laughs> yeah, speaking of sequels we've been waiting on, <laughs> Bad Santa 2. <laughs> Thurman Merman. <laughs> he is back, and I don't know if you like Bad Santa as much as we did, but uh, we enjoy a good raunchy comedy. We do. Uh, so we're looking forward to that one. And for the family, Moana. Moana. So you know what? I'm I'm a little I'm a little nervous about this one, but I, and it's The Rock. Yep, Dwayne uh, Johnson is the, the I guess the hero. I don't yeah. know much about the story. Uh, no. Well, there's not a lot out about it just yet, but I'm kind of eager to see it. I'm excited about that one. And then we have Brad Pitt and Marianne Cotillard in Allies. And also the new one from Warren Beatty. Right. He's not in it. No, but he, he is. Wrote, he is in it. He is. Okay. But he wrote it and directed it, and it's called Rules Don't Apply. And he's been he's been hit and miss. He's yes. certainly been a good filmmaker, and he has had whew, some, uh, some some bad ones, some especially stinkers, some stinkers in the last in the last few years. So I don't think he's done anything actually for it's qu been a while. quite a few years. So we'll see how that one turns out. So uh, the two big ones this week: Fantastic Beasts and The Edge of Seventeen. Both get a yeah, yeah. okay, not yeah. great, but yeah. Pretty well. So what do you think? Let us know. We love to keep the conversation going on Twitter. That is the easiest way. We are at Mad Wolf. That's M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. And on Facebook, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. Love to hear from you. And the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and MadWolf.com. Look forward to hearing from you uh, if you want to chime in. And until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. <laughs>